We thank you. That blood never loses its power. That blood is right now before you on the mercy seat in heaven. That you might view us in our life in relation to the blood. So we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you for giving your life for us that we might obtain life. Experience life with you where we were lost and apart from you. So we thank you for the spirit of the living God. We thank you for this opportunity to come together. To look at your word. To understand it in a greater measure. So Holy Spirit, teach us today. Open up our eyes and give us revelation. So that each one might have greater understanding. And wisdom to apply the word of God to their life. To their situation. To their relationships. That in applying your word. That is always true. Always alive. Always powerful. Always able. To penetrate. To cleanse the soul. To revive the spirit of man. To move us in the right direction. We thank you for that. Inspired by the spirit of God. Taught by the spirit of God. So we thank you. Holy Spirit speak to us today. Open up wisdom. Open up revelation for each and every one. As we have that revelation come to our hearts. It would stir a great expectation. Of the day that we live in. And the days that are before us. That we truly might know and see. That we have been empowered. By the life of God and your spirit. To accomplish. Exploits. For the kingdom of God. So we thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. For what will be accomplished in every heart. And in every life. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Just say this with me. Thanks be unto God. God. Who always, always always causes me to triumph. triumph. Always Always causes me to triumph. In my life. In my finances. In my marriage. In my body. In my health. In my mind. Always causes me to triumph. And through this diffuses a knowledge of Him everywhere I go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Hallelujah. You are triumphant. The enemy would like you to think you're defeated. You're not going to make it. Somehow, you know, your circumstances are unique. But nothing's come on you that's not common to people. You're not that special when it comes to adversity. But you are special when it comes to the blood of Jesus. And He's given you the victory. He's given you the ability to triumph over every situation and every circumstance through your union with Christ. Through your union with Christ. Amen. We try to do it so much on our own for Him. And uh, we frustrate the spirit of grace. Well, God, I'll do this for you. You called me, I'll do this for you. And then we're like, my God. And he says, I never called you to do it for me. I called you to do it with me. With me. So we run off so often not understanding uh, what really God has planned for us. And so, uh, uh, you know, that victory that he's given us is so that we might reign in life. Reign in life. Romans chapter 5 says, if we've received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life. You ever felt like life was reigning over you? Circumstances were reigning and ruling over your life. We religiousize it. Well, you know, God wants this, this to really reign my life for a while, so I recognize. Well, he never said that he did. Where'd we get that? He said, listen, sin started to reign over your life. That was not a good thing. So I sent Jesus to die to pay the price where sin was governing. Sin had enslaved you. Right? To think sin's reigning over your life and somehow that's honorable to God when Jesus paid the price to break the power of it is just wrong. It's deception of the devil. And so we run around, you know, sad, depressed, anxious, struggling because we don't understand 
the power of God. That He called us to reign in life, to reign over life. Through the one Jesus Christ. Through the one Jesus Christ. In other words, through Him. Right? And so as we really uh, dive in this morning to uh, the marriage mindset, I just want to, uh, again, uh, remind us and, and uh, look at this from the standpoint that marriage is a covenant relationship. And really, every relationship that God has ordained to be is a covenant relationship. And so we don't understand covenant very good. We are a, a society of contracts. Right? And we'll look at that in just a moment. But because we don't understand covenant very good, we read the, the Word of God with a mindset of contracts. But it's a covenant book. It's all based on covenant relationships. Covenant, and when we begin to understand the depth of covenant relationships, then, you know, uh, you know Brother John Bevere, you know, he has that book out, The Awe of God. And it's so vital to the generation that we live in because we're living, uh, you know, uh, on, uh, you know, a move where we can, you know, oh, grace covers everything. Thank God grace is such a powerful force. You know, sometimes we talk about people preaching sloppy grace or extravagant grace, but you can't get sloppy with grace. Not, not really. You can preach it wrong, but you can't get sloppy with grace. And you can't get too extravagant with grace because it's so powerful. But grace, the, where we miss it is we don't understand grace. Grace is not something that allows you to get away with something. And grace empowers you to overcome. So because of that under, misunderstanding that grace doesn't matter at what I do, we've fallen back. We've lost sight of covenant. We got focused on us and what we could do or couldn't do or what we could get away with or couldn't get away with. Well, see, whenever you start thinking about what you can get away with or what you can't get away with, you fall immediately back under works. What I deserve or what I don't deserve by what I did or didn't do. See, the enemy is subtle. He'll try to preach grace, the grace of God, and then move you over out of grace and into works so subtly you don't even know you move there. But when we keep an understanding of covenant, covenant, now the awe, the awesomeness of God, for if we break covenant, as wonderful as covenant is on the front side of blessing, the power of covenant broken is so awesome that to fall into the hands of the Almighty God having broken covenant is a very concerning thing, a fearful thing, Hebrews says. And so we've lost. We just do what we want and say, well, God will take care of it. No big deal. He loves me. And we've lost all awe or fear of the Almighty God. Because we've lost understanding of covenant relationship. And so the covenant relationship of marriage really is, is, is something that he expresses to us. And he says in Ephesians 5 when he's talking about marriage, he says this is a great mystery how this covenant, this oneness, this covenant oneness works but I'm not really speaking to you about a husband and wife. I'm speaking about Christ and the church. So even as we talk about the marriage mindset, just as Paul did, we're not simply talking about marriage, but we're talking about Christ and his church. And the mindset that we have has to become a covenant mindset in understanding that. And really, when we understand that, we understand the unity. Because just, just stay with me for a moment. But the understanding, the writing of the Bible, when Jesus begins to talk about this oneness that we have, this union that we have, Father, that they would be one as you and I are one, you actually can't have union of one without covenant. It's impossible. Because there's a mingling of life. There's a, 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 a stirring together of life that makes us one with him. You can't do it by an idea. You can't simply do it by study. You have to receive the mingling of life to actually be in covenant and understand covenant. And so our life with Jesus is all about covenant. Our marriage is about covenant. And our relationship right here in this place, the church, relationship is about covenant. 
So the church is coming apart somewhat because this generation doesn't have an understanding of covenant. So we have terms like church hurt when actually if I'm a part of the church, right, now I start to say you, the body, hurt me, the body. And it's a subtle way to get at odds those who are in covenant with one another because we've lost sight of covenant. So as we talk about this, we're not simply talking about husband and wife. We're talking about Christ and his bride. We're talking about the relationships that we possess. So if you're not married, if your marriage has been broken, we're not going backwards into that. If you're in the midst of a struggle, we're trying to give an understanding, right? In the culture that we live in, it's very difficult sometimes to preach the truth because people get their feelings hurt. Well, what am I supposed to do? I don't have this. Well, you're supposed to continue to let the word of God saturate you so you know what to do. Because if we just don't talk about it, because we might, uh, somebody might feel like, well, wait a minute, I'm not married or my marriage has been broken. Well, then we miss out on all the principle of what God is saying. And this covenant principle per- permeates our life in Christ, our relationships in Christ all the way around. So though we'll talk about this relationship, we're talking about it in a broader perspective. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. In verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Other translations say your reasonable service of worship. So right here, we could read over that in our Western mindset, go, okay, well, he's just asking me to do something, you know, give my body a living sacrifice, but he's not. He's talking covenant terms. He's talking, that's why he says it's only reasonable. It's only reasonable to give your body as a living sacrifice. Why? Because your covenant partner gave his body as a living sacrifice. Well, then it's works. No, it's not works. It's covenant. He gave his life. So if you receive that, then it affects your life. Because if he's giving his life for you and you become one, how can you not give your life for him? Because you're one with him. God didn't call us to independence. Thank God for our nation, but we weren't called to independence. We were called to interdependence. We were called to covenant. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind to what? This covenant. I'm going to read read certain things that apply to me. I'm going to renew my mind and memorize some verses that apply to me. Well, if you read those verses and memorize them and take them out of covenant simply for selfish reasons, they won't work with covenant power. So James said this, he said, where do wars and fights come from among you? Why are you in such a situation of despair? You ask and you don't receive. He said, that's strange. Why? Because if you're asking of a covenant partner, you will receive. By covenant. By covenant. That's why Jesus said, listen, whatever you ask in my name, you'll receive it. If you have faith in the covenant, he has to give it to you. He has to give it to you. You say, well, you don't tell God what he has to do. No, I'm just telling you, by covenant, by God's cutting a covenant, he has to give it to you if you understand that you're asking in covenant. Because whatever he has, according to covenant, belongs to you. But when you ask in covenant, you better not be asking simply for yourself, because that's not covenant. But when you ask for what you need to fulfill covenant with him, you'll have whatever you ask for. That's how powerful covenant is. So he said, if we look at this book with covenant eyes, it changes everything. All right. So you all with me? So we're going to do a quick review, real quick. 
Somebody's like, no, your review's never quick. It's going to be quick. In comparison, it's going to be quick. All right, so again, we're just going to go over this real quickly, these things about covenant and contract, because we, we need to discern what we're looking at to understand this covenant. So a covenant is based on trust between two parties, faith. A contract is based on distrust. Covenant is based on trust, contract based on distrust. Number two, a covenant is based on unlimited responsibility. Contracts are signed for limited liability. Hmm. Come on, sometimes people enter into marriage thinking this is on limited liability instead of unlimited responsibility. A covenant cannot be broken if new circumstances occur. A contract can be voided by mutual consent. Hmm. Praise the Lord. And so when we look at it with covenant eyes, we look at it in the eyes of commitment. We're committed. When Jesus uh, uh, really looks at and understands that we've made a covenant with him, he's looking at commitment. He's looking at uh, unlimited responsibility, not limited liability. He's looking at this is on this is on forever and ever. Praise the Lord. Once you enter into covenant with him, game on. Forever. Not just till you feel like, you know, this is no fun anymore. It's on forever. All right. So, uh, again, we, we said this, uh, you know, years ago, Miles Monroe said this. He said, if you want to know the purpose of a thing, you have to ask the creator of the thing. So he said this, that the purpose of a thing is only found in the mind of the creator of the thing. And so we went to the board of God to find out some principles or purpose of marriage. Because he said subsequent to that, he said, uh, wherever purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Inevitable. So, you know, if you look at anything, we have a lot of abuses, different types of abuses in marriage, which just tells us this on this principle, that we never understood the purpose of marriage. We never understood the purpose, and we never understood. We get, we get a certificate that we sign, a contract that we sign, but many believers never really looked at it as a covenant. They looked at it as a contract. So when, when it was, there was limited liability, they, they had to bring something to the table. They decided, this isn't what I expected, that, that I'm out. New circumstances came into play, and they said, well, you know, uh, I'm gonna, I, I changed my mind about that. But only not because they were bad people, only because they did not know the purpose and did not know they were entering into an, a covenant. They really thought it was really all about them, and they could get out of it if they wanted to, but God was watching. And so the purpose of marriage, the purpose of a covenant, is to replicate the image of God in the earth. We showed you that a couple weeks ago. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. He said, our, our, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So if you have a Christ-like man, a Holy Spirit-like woman, woman, and God in the middle, you have the image, the image on the earth of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. To understand the power of Trinity, the power of Trinity is so important. We often think, we don't, we think of ourselves, we give too much place to the flesh because we're just thinking, I am this body, what this body needs. We forget that we actually are spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. And so the power to live life really comes from the understanding that you are a triune being. One is not operating independent of another. When it does, there's a breakdown. When I'm only giving place to my flesh, there's no way I could succeed. If I'm only giving place to my emotions and what I can think about, there's no way I can succeed. But when I give place to the Spirit of God in my spirit, and the Spirit of God teaches me and affects my emotions and my mindset so that my body follows, now there is an unstoppable or an unstoppable force that's created within man for ultimate success in life. But it's an understanding Trinity, the power of Trinity. God didn't say, I'll just do this by myself. It was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, three in one. 
And so in marriage union covenant, he says, listen, there's, there's going to be three in this covenant union. But it's going to be one, one flesh union, one body union. Number two purpose, to complete man and woman so that they uh, experience companionship and eliminate aloneness. Not loneliness, aloneness. Because loneliness just works like, oh man, I have these feelings. But aloneness, he said, listen, I've called man to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to have dominion over it, and to subdue it. And he really can't do that on his own. So it's not good for him to be alone because he's without something. He's not just lonely, he's without something that I created him for, right? Early on, number two, he said, it's not good that man should be alone, chapter two. But chapter one, he covers how he created the whole overview. He created man in his image and his likeness. Male and female, he created them. So he's given the big picture of what he did. So when he looked at man, he said, it's not good that, that man should be alone. We're not alone. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We didn't create him to be alone, so it's not good that he be alone. He can't accomplish on the earth what I've called him to do alone. So I'm going to create a helper suitable. That really means and says I'm going to create one that will stand opposite. Not in opposition, opposite. So that because they're opposite, they fit together. Fit together, right? So we gave the example of the plug here in the wall. There's, there, based on wiring and stuff, there's power in that plug. But you can't put it right up to another plug and get any power out of it. You have to take that cord, which is the opposite of that plug. And once you plug that plug in, which is opposite, now that opposite connection allows power to flow. So when a husband and wife come in and they're companions, they link together. They're aloneness. They're not alone and powerless. They connect and they become a power union. But see, when we don't understand that, we try to get each other's part and we struggle. It's like two positives bumping up against each other or two negatives not, not making any connection and there's no power and there becomes a struggle. But in covenant, we know we fit together. Power union. All right, number three uh, purpose. Uh, to generationally perpetuate the nature of God and the values of the kingdom of God. And so the husband and wife live according to the kingdom, according to the values. God being the head, right? Everything comes down from the father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We're not on our own. So we, we show the kingdom of God, that he is head over our family, over our life. And then we pass that on to our children and our children's children. Number four, to multiply God's human family with righteous offspring. Part of God's purpose. Well, what about that? Well, he wanted a family. God's always wanted a family. And so we perpetuate that. So, a couple of requirements of marriage. Number one, sacrifice. Sacrifice. So often we're coming, we're tired. We, we say, I'm just going to sacrifice and do something. Give, give, give what's left over. But sacrifice means we bring the very best. The very best. And then commitment. Commitment. We come with selflessness, service, cooperation, faithfulness, and generosity. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we're looking at this understanding of covenant in, in, in a larger way than maybe we've thought in the past. In our relationship with God, our relationship with our spouse, in relationship with one another. So let's just dive in here. Our number one, uh, our first marriage mindset that we want to develop in covenant is this. Problems are opportunities. Problems are opportunities. Now, if you're in business or leadership, you'll think, well, that's a, a leadership mindset. Well, listen, the greatest organization that God ever created, the greatest union, was marriage other than Him. So we go out and we, we come up with vision and leadership principles out there in the world that are godly, and we don't apply them to the very basic uh, establishment of God's kingdom within our home. And so uh, the mindset to look, and you know, we look at problems, we're like, oh my God, problems! You're the problem. No, you're the problem. Where's the problem? We just got problems. Problems everywhere. We blame people for being the problem. But God put us together in such a powerful way that every problem that faces us is an opportunity for us to come together 
and unite and connect so that the power of God can flow. How many of you think that God is greater than anything? How many of you think the power of God is greater than any force in the universe? About half of you. All right. Well, we'll try to get the rest of you saved. But the power of God actually created the universe, so it's greater than anything that it created. And the same spirit that hovered over the face of the deep, that when Jesus, God, said, let there be light, executed light, separated the firmament. It's the same one that created the universe and was active in the universe. He lives in every husband and every wife that believes. So there is no problem you can't solve. (laughs) There was an air of disbelief right there. Just came over the room. Instead of an air of faith, like, yes, it was like, you don't know my spouse. (laughs) Come on. That's why we're teaching this. When you get a response like that, that you can feel in the atmosphere. There is not a problem that you cannot solve. The gifts and the callings in the woman, the gifts and the callings in a man, inspired by the Spirit of God, fit together in covenant. The very creator of all things, who can solve any problem anywhere, lives in us. I mean, if he could take care of the problem that Jesus was in the grave, down in hell, encompassed by all the demons of hell, and could raise him from the dead victorious, I'm sure he could take care of your problem. But see, we're limited in our thinking. Our mind is not set on that. It's set on if she could just be different. If he could just be different. And we get distracted by how different they should be instead of saying, okay, God, help us connect in your divine purpose for us. All right. Just a second. I got to figure out how to get where I'm supposed to be here. All right, so Ecclesiastes. Chapter 4, verse 9. It says, two are better than one. I better hurry up. Two are better than one. Somebody say, two are better than one. Say it again, two are better than one. Say it like you believe it. Two are better than one. Look at your spouse. Say, two are better than one. Look at the person next to you if it's not your spouse. Say, two are better than one. Come on, you got to get that in your thinking. Two are better than one. Even in the church, two are better than one. Many hands make light work. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. They have a good reward for them. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. Listen, there's many opportunities to fall in life. If you fall alone, it's going to be very difficult to get up. But if you have a covenant partner, they're there when you fall to help you back up. Man, God forbid that we don't understand covenant. We look and we let our our, our covenant partner fall and say, well, that's on you. You You better figure out how to get up. No, don't tell them to figure out how to get up. Reach down. Help them up. There's a great reward for your labor. Well, this is a lot of work to help them up. They got way down. But if I help them up because two are better than one, there's a great reward for helping them get up. I'm so thankful that over the last 37 years, there's times when I'm down and she's up and picks me up. Times when she's down. Woe if we're ever both really down at the same time. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Trinity. Because there was a time when tragedy hit our house. And we were both down. We were both down. Still having to lead. Still having to lead the church. We're both down. It's not looking good. Well, I'm down. You're down. We're both down. There's one thing about getting in the pit with each other. But if nobody can get out, the pit just gets really messy. We're like, come on, I can relate to you. A lot of people in a pit with no way out just gets ugly. 
We like people to relate to us, but if nobody knows the way out, you have fun for a while, but then it just gets messy. But thank God when we were both down, the Holy Ghost came and picked us up. Threefold. Threefold. I'm getting ahead of myself. Praise the Lord. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So you make covenant with one another. And then in your covenant with God, he intertwines. He braids himself together with your covenant union. And it's not easily broken. You become one with him. And there's not a devil in hell that can stop that union. That's why he's trying to deceive you. He's trying to confuse you. He's trying to think you've got a power struggle in your marriage. Because he knows once you get in union and you wrap God in that union, there's not a devil in hell that can stop that union. Because God created that union for you to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it. To overcome those circumstances. He's bringing all kinds of problems to go, oh, there's problems. He says, we are the solution. To your problem. If you'll see this from a covenant perspective. If you'll see it as an opportunity to come together and overcome. Rather than a problem that would cause you to be in. A problem that's insurmountable for you to overcome. James chapter 1 verse 2 says. My brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So you're going to have trials. You're going to have opportunities to put your faith in God. But when you ask him for wisdom, he gives it liberally and he doesn't upbraid. Second mindset, caring for yourself doesn't have to be selfish. Caring for yourself doesn't have to be selfish. So many times people come into a marriage they, that, you know, while they're, they're suiting or courting or dating, boy, they're working out, they're, they're, they're making themselves look the best, seem the best, you know, they're, they're figuring out what they can talk about, sound the best, all that stuff. Then they get married and then they let themselves go. Well, I'm married now. What would I keep myself in shape for? For your spouse. So you look at me like, really? New concept. <laughs> well, if you thought that's what would get them, huh? Yeah, but I don't need to get them anymore. I got them. No, you show them. You show them you care about yourself enough to care about them. So many things happen. So we take care of ourselves. And I'm not just talking about physically. Mentally. Studying on different things. Studying on marriage. Keeping yourself sharp in your thought life. On your relationship together. On other things. On, 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 on uh, things concerning life and maybe finances, your vision and where you're going in life, keeping yourself thinking and processing those things, keeping yourself spiritually built up, spiritually built up, keeping yourself caring for yourself, spirit, soul, and body shows that you care for your spouse, that you're ready to be there to add your supply to that marriage. You're not slacking off on that. So Mark 12 verse 31. Jesus just had just explained the most important of all commandments. And he says, the second then is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment like this. He said, don't be selfish. He said, but if you don't know how much God loves you and put that same value on your life, then you'll not be able to value someone else's life. So often, right, hurt people hurt people. So I'm not valued. I've been hurt, so I hurt somebody. But no matter what hurt comes your way, if you know God loves me, he's the healer of the hurt. And I embrace that. And I embrace myself as healed, not wounded. I embrace myself as strong, not weak, by the grace of God. 
And I honor that. And I keep that. I don't go back to saying, woe is me. How weak am I? How frail am I? How, how unable am I? No, God made me able. God equipped me. He did that. Now, I'm not hurting people because I'm not a hurt person. I'm not abusing people because I'm not abused. So we take care of ourselves. We pray. Because sometimes when we're not doing it, then we view that the other person's not living up. So, you know, many years ago, um, uh, we first got married. You know, I was working, uh, uh, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, construction, trying to make ends meet, all that stuff. Tasha was working uh, in the morning, uh, at waiting tables. <clears throat> we're going, so we're having a little bit of a struggle. You know, our first year, we, we were trying to figure each other out. We're both very strong-willed, so we're going back and forth. It just, it was, it was a difficult time. And so, you know, I kept telling her, I kept coming, you know, and, and then we would go serve, and I did a Bible study, and we're just coming and going. So it's, it's, you know, things are being said, and so I kept, I got on this thing where I kept saying, you need to pray, you need to pray, you need to pray. Aren't you praying? You need to pray. So one day she just, she got upset with me. She said, you must not be praying. Because I'm praying, and you keep saying pray. <laughs> and then I had to, you know, stop for a minute and thought, well, she's right. I'm doing a lot of things. But I'm not praying. And see, if you let yourself down, it's easy to go like, I'm doing as much as I can do. But you must not be doing it. And all of a sudden, now the blame game starts super subtly. But if you're keeping yourself up, if I had been praying, I would have seen it, and I would have been adding a supply Instead of just trying to take a supply. So we have to keep ourselves built up in every way. Ephesians 5 tells the husband, love your wife as your own body. Nobody ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So we have all kinds of things going on. People blaming each other. But in all reality, you have to take a checkup. Have you lost the love for yourself? Have you misunderstood how much God loves you? Have you misunderstood the covenant love that you're bound by? Because if you understand that, you love yourself, you're joined in one. So how can I treat her unloving if I love myself? Because we're one. If I love myself, I love her because I understand covenant. The moment we misunderstand covenant, it's all about me and how I feel. When I understand covenant, if I love myself, I take care of myself, then I will, as a matter of course, be taking care of her because we're one. All right, that went over big. Number three. Love goes beyond infatuation. Love has more dimension. Now, just talking about knowing things and, and uh, uh, you know, looking at them, I want to bring this out and then, whew, I got to wrap this up pretty quick. Listen to this. I found this very interesting. Thinking about infatuation, you know, to us, infatuation is like, oh, you know, oh, you're so Prince Charming. Listen to this definition. This is what infatuation is. A state of mind in which the intellectual powers are weakened. Either generally or in regard to a particular object. So that the person affected acts without his usual judgment. Parents have known this forever. They watch their children get infatuated with somebody and they're like, snap out of it. I can't. You're intellectually impaired <laughs> when you're infatuated. Oh my God. Just to think about this and wonder why we get into situations that we do. We're not thinking right. <laughs> oh, so, uh, I cut that short. I need to read that again. So that the person affected acts without his usual judgment and contrary to the dictates of reason.
It even goes to say that you'll waste your substance. Wow. So just think. If you stay infatuated, you will be stuck on stupid. <laughs> At some point, you got to kick over to real love in all of its dimensions. In all of its dimensions. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Praise the Lord. Y'all doing all right? I'm going to try and wrap it up here real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Starting verse 1. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. So in other words, he's saying, in a marriage union with God, however it is, communication is important. And you can say a lot of things that you want to say, but without love, it just becomes a bunch of noise. I'm sure nobody in this room, but you'll probably minister. I'm equipping you for ministry. Minister to somebody in their marriage that's been in an argument or something. And they just said, I just wanted to cover my ears and go, blah, 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 blah. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Like a little child. You've probably never been tempted to do that in an argument. But what is that? Love left the room. And it just sounds like a bunch of clanging noise in communication. Love left the room. So, you know, I was meditating on this. God really is working on helping me have a better marriage while I'm studying to help us all understand this covenant. Been a tad painful, but we're working through it. So he said, you know, this example, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Christ-like man, Holy Spirit-type woman, God in the middle. He said, now, if there's a Christ-like man, how did Jesus act? In John chapter 14, Jesus said this, I never speak on my own authority. I speak what I hear the Father say. That's Jesus. Well, then let's get over to the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come and he will not speak on his own authority. But what he hears from the Father, he will declare to you. So how many times has the Christ-like husband just spoken what he thought, never listening to what the Father says? The Holy Spirit type wife saying, just I'm going to say what I want to say because I can say it. That's your authority. You can say it. You have that. But Christ likeness, Holy Spirit likeness says, I can speak on my authority, but I choose not to. I choose to say what I hear the Father say. So, you know, true confession. I've really messed that one up a lot. And knowing it, I mean, I'm not proud of it. I'm just confessing. It's good. When you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. I mean, I've been standing right in the middle of a, a disagreement. Thinking, how am, I going to, how am I going to challenge this? How am I going to correct this? How am I going to bring the right perspective? In other words, my perspective. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. To this. I got it. I'll say this. And in a moment's time, from the inside, because I do know the Holy Ghost, I get this sense, don't say that. But too many times, I've just went, yeah, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. And you know, not one time in 37 years has that ever paid off. It's never paid off for me to think I know how to fix her, which is another one of our mindsets, but we'll get to that later. That I know how to fix her and make this better from my own intellect, my own understanding. It's never worked when the Holy Spirit says, don't say that. Don't say that. Yeah, and I've even in my mind argued, yeah, but 
But I can even utilize the word to make this point come across. She says, don't say that. But you give it a trial. Living by trial, but mostly error. Say that. Boom, it goes a totally different direction than I anticipated. Then I have to repent. I have to repent to God. I have to do the prodigal something. I've sinned against God, and then I have to go and say, I've sinned against you. Sorry, 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 sorry. But you know, there's also been times where he said, I want you to say this. And you say it, and it works out. Go figure. Well, why would that work? Well, we're in covenant with God. We're intertwined with Him. He'll never have me to say something that would put her in a bad position, a bad light. Never have me say something that would put me in a better light than hers because love doesn't brag on itself. He would never have me say that. Why? Because He loves her. He would never have her say anything. It would be bitter or, or pierce to wound or to hurt. Why? Because he loves me. Huh. Praise the Lord. Communication in love is vitally important. It's just vitally important. Well, how do we communicate in love? Well, the Father knows exactly how to communicate in love. He knows exactly how to communicate. He said, this way we'll keep, we'll keep the, the clanging down. We'll keep the noise level down. He said, though I have faith to remove mountains and all, all the giftings that would cause us to see so spiritually. He says, without love, you're really not who you think you are. He said, though I give my body to feed the poor, though I do everything and they do nothing. If you did everything to prove that you do everything, <laughs> it won't profit you anything. And give your body to be burned without love, profits you nothing. Why do we give into a marriage? Because that's our covenant responsibility to give all that we have. And we can't be the distinguisher of if they're going to give everything or not. What if they don't give as much in return? Well, Jesus is our example. And if it was simply in the fact that, you know what? People didn't give in return as much as I gave to them. We would all be lost. But because He knows covenant, even when we break covenant, even when we talk against Him, we go against Him, we go the way of the world, we do our own thing, He still honors covenant. Even when we're faithless, He's faithful. Love is a powerful force. I just give you this charge to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and meditate on it over and over and over again. Just check areas. It's really an outline. It's not a poem. It's an outline to say if I'm doing these things, if I'm talking about myself, if I'm keeping account of wrong done to me, if I can tell you what day and hour you wronged me, don't say you're not keeping track. So if I'm doing that, then I need to be further developed in love. And utilize 1 Corinthians 13 and ask God to help you develop a covenant love that will help your marriage. It will help you with other people. It will help you in your relationship with God. Our relationship with one another. So I want to say this before we just do a couple of things. If you're here and you're not married, maybe your marriage was broken apart. I rebuke right now in the name of Jesus. I take authority over every strategy of the devil of messing with you. We're talking about this covenant relationship. You have a relationship with God. And the Apostle Paul said, if you're single and you have a relationship, you have a covenant relationship with God, and you want to live that way all for God, that's okay. Stay with it. But if you desire to get married, God loves marriage. He created marriage. He did that. 
We read in Malachi chapter 2, he was watching when you made your covenant vow. Told the first service, read through the vows that you made. You made them. God was watching. You break those vows. You're not forgiving your spouse. You're not there in good times and bad. If you've been unfaithful, you cheated on your vow. We do that with God. We make a vow to Him. You be the Lord of my life. I'll serve you all the days of my life. He's watching. He's taking seriously that. So whether you're single, whether you want to be married, whether you, your marriage didn't work for some reason, maybe it's because you didn't understand the covenant of marriage. There's no condemnation. Don't leave with condemnation. I pray you'll receive what the Spirit of God is saying. That you'll embrace a covenant relationship with Him. That He'll show you how to walk out every day of your life. If there is a relationship before you, you enter it with a covenant understanding of the purpose and the covenant that you're entering into. If you stay in a covenant relationship with God, that you honor that. In your covenant relationship with the body of Christ, you begin to understand the depth of that relationship and the commitment of covenant that you have to one another. It goes through all that to build a strong church, to build a strong community, to influence a nation as we join together in a covenant bond. Amen. So, so often the enemy will come and attack single people because we're talking about marriage and saying, well, I'm, I must be left out. I must be lesser because God loves marriage. God loves people before He loves marriage. He loves you intimately and personally before that. But if a man finds a wife, he found a good thing and he found favor with God. God has a plan for marriage. God loves marriage. He loves covenant unions all the way around. Amen? Did you get anything today? We'll pick up on these mindsets next week. Why don't you stand up with me? Praise the Lord. Why don't you sit back down? I'm looking right at this going like, what am I doing? Praise the Lord. So our last Connect class, we uh, had those who took Connect and some were able to be here, some were not able to be here. But we want to acknowledge and really install those who are connecting with the local church body and uh, um, pray for them because they have taken Connect class and they say, we want to be members. And as we've talked about this, we're, we'll talk in depth somewhere uh, as we go through the year about really the, the, the link, the covenant relationship of the church that the church has with one another. But as people say, I'm committed, I want to be a member of the local church they're saying, I want to, be, I want to in, in involve myself in being one with the vision of the local church. And so we accept them in to find their place, their grace, their strength, because it will not only help them grow, but it will help the body grow. So it's really a, a level of covenant action. And so we take this time as people say, I want to become a member, to acknowledge them and to pray for them and receive them into the local church body. So when I read your name, if you'll come up here, please. We want to pray with you. Uh, Danielle Dahl. <laughs> Kelly Spires. Malo and Alex McMath. Praise the Lord. And Thomas and Laura Dubois, Dubois they uh, couldn't be with us today. And uh, they're watching uh, and so uh, we want to acknowledge them. Thomas and Laura were a part of the church a long time ago, uh, had moved out and uh, come back and uh, are joining themselves once again to the local church body. And so we want to acknowledge them. Now you can stand up and we want to pray. If you all would just hold hands, I know, uh, and we're just going to pray. Believe God that he moves uh, on each and every one of you. Stretch your hands out here. Father, we thank you. God, as we've talked about covenant relationships today, Father, we just thank you for the vision that you've given us here at New Creation Church and the grace, the ability, the favor that you've bestowed upon us to minister to the local church body in our community, even into the world, places we don't know, as Pastor Tasha said. You've given a great grace to expand influence and the light of the gospel. And so every time, God, we're so humble. We're so honored. Every time that you bring people in to become members. And in your, their heart, 
you connect them with this heart. So, Father, we just pray that they would recognize and realize the divine connection. The life source and the, the grace, the blood flow, as it were, in the body of Christ. That will help them be spiritually healthy and whole. Strengthen them to find their place and the opportunity to serve your body and to serve those who don't know you. God, stir with them and bring a revelation of their gifts and their place in the body that they might fit, be knitted and joined to the members of the body, to the vision, to the outreach, connected with every soul saved. They get a part of that reward. So we pray for them right now. <coughs> Excuse me. The grace the grace, the ability of God, the favor of God, the influence of the Holy Spirit on their heart to live out that which you've called them to do right here in this local church body. Fulfilling and stirring up, maturing in the gifts and the callings of God that rest upon their life. So they extend themselves right now to become members. We receive them into this local church body with love, with care, and with grace. So we thank you for them. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the calling that rests upon each one of them and upon this local church body. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Why don't you give them a hand? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you all to go out that door. And line up right there on the wall. And I want you all to go out. Make sure you shake their hands. You welcome them. And uh, go ahead. You can go right now. Praise the Lord. And it's such an honor and such a privilege. You all, that is just so weak. Give them a big hand. Uh, make sure you go by. Welcome them. You say, well, some of those, we've known them for a long time. Just, just receive them into the body. Just as a covenant gesture, a welcoming gesture into the body. Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. Praise the Lord. Janice, come on. We just got family business. I'm... Don't forget. You can face them. Stand between us. Praise the Lord. Janice has been a part of the church like from forever. 27 years. And uh, we so appreciate her. She has been a prayer. Uh, just a prayer warrior for us, for the church, for you. May not have known it. And she is moving to Nashville. Murfreesboro. 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 <laughs> I'm really getting it right. You had trouble the first service with explanation. I'm having trouble. So forgive us. We're not, we're, we're struggling here. But um, praise the Lord. We love you. I love you guys. I believe God has a, 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 just a, a next step, a great plan for your life. And so we want to just send you out with our prayers and with our love. And uh, know that God has uh, his hand on you. So stretch your hands out here. Father, we just thank you for Janice. God, the call that you have upon her life, that which you have done in her, that which you've done through her, the lives that have been affected, people that don't even know how they've been affected because she's a prayer. She's not out in front. She's uh, uh, in the natural. She's out in front in the spirit. She gets out in front, makes a way sometimes through prayer where it didn't seem like there was a way. Nobody knows about it except for you and her. We thank you for her faithfulness to pray. The effects that it's had upon this local church body. We thank you, Father. As you move her to Murfreesboro, Father, you make and create divine connections. God, that she will grow even more in her assignment there. You have appointments and assignments. So I thank you, God. You're making a divine appointment with a divine, eternal assignment. Pray she'll connect with that assignment. We pray right now that the grace that she needs, the influence, the anointing to fulfill that assignment, though it may seem heavy at times, may seem lonely at times, that you're never alone. God is with you wherever you go. Covenant promise. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. 
So when the enemy comes to say that, you fight that with the covenant promise of God. So that in that time, when he tries to weaken you, by the grace of God, you become stronger than ever. That you might fulfill every point of this assignment. We thank you, Lord. Lives will be changed. Janice's life will be enhanced. There will be a learning in areas that she needs to grow. You're sending her for divine purpose. So we thank you. We send her with our love, with grace. Father, we thank you. That by the blood of Jesus, we plead that blood over her. That angels guard round about her, wherever she goes. Head to toe, top to bottom, side to side, every vehicle she gets in. Everywhere she goes. Every person that confronts her. She has angelic protection. I thank you, Lord, that no sickness or plague comes near her dwelling place. She lives in strength and health every single day. Thank you for that, Father. We declare that over her life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. We love you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else got something that I need to do? Those are very important things. And I'm sorry that I, I hiccuped on that. I shouldn't. Uh, I should remember all those things. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say this we go. What God did in Christ Jesus. Far exceeds. Any damage done to me. By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight. I can see so clear what it's all about.